This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by The Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to TheBeanBastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to The Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BRUTALLY and get 10% off your total purchase order. Now on to the show. People say you have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. This rings true because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. It's really hard. And you have to do it over a sustained period of time. So if you don't love it, and if you're not having fun doing it, you're gonna give up. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the last of my crazy, eight crazy days, eight crazy episodes. I don't know what this is. This is me basically getting you all the content I've been sitting on my computer uh, in a timely manner because I, I really enjoy talking with everyone. And I knew that it would be months before some of these episodes dropped, so I wanted to get them out because I'm also basically getting ready to do the same thing where I have you know three or four conversations that I'm getting ready to start doing. Uh, so I'm just going to be making more content, and I want to get these out in a timely manner. So this episode's guest is Justin Foley of Kill Switch Engage, of Libica, of Blood Has Been Shed, uh, if you remember that band. And this was a lot of fun. Um, Justin is someone that is actually really, I mean, he's just forever going to be tied to the pandemic to me. Uh, you know, with the fact that other than Damon from A Virtue at this point, he is still the last person I basically did an in-person chat with. And I always will remember just the the background of being backstage between my chat with JB from August Burns Red and Justin, just how much information there was coming in in a span of like an hour and how differently we were taking that information in from joking and laughing about it to, shit, I think this is really serious, to literally the next day everything fucking shut down. And, you know, I don't want to be such a bummer about this or be so heavy handed in this intro, but it's, it's crazy to think and have someone be so tied to a very impactful thing that not only happened to me, but happened to everyone. So, I mean, Justin is kind of forever tied, uh, in my mind to, to this, this pandemic that we all went through. And it's interesting too, because Justin is someone that, you know, and as you'll hear me say to him in the chat, he's kind of one of the more interesting parts of the band. You know, he, he doesn't do a ton of press. He pretty much isn't on socials. I mean, most of the band is not on socials. Um, kill switch kind of exists in the old world where whatever they want you to know about them, they will put out. They do very limited press. Uh, a lot of the things that they do are handpicked, uh, 
for them to do. And it's one of those where it's, it's not the norm anymore. Um, you know, we live in this 24 hour news cycle now where people are telling you what they're eating for breakfast, what they did last night, where they're at, what they're doing. And it becomes interesting when people live the way that we all used to live where you're not online, you're just living your life. And, and when you see someone, that's when you get to find out what they've been up to. And so with Justin, it's been really cool because like I said, with him being tied to kind of the pandemic happening and it becoming this real world thing, it's interesting to see someone who is, like I said, the more soft-spoken, quiet one coming out with a new project. And for him to not just be the drummer of it, but to to kind of be the quote-unquote front face of the band, you know, being the guitar player, being the name that everyone knows, and kind of being up front now. And that's really interesting to me. It's interesting to see the shift in who he is as a musician and, and learning more about him in a different language. Um, not necessarily spoken, but musical, since this is an instrumental band. And to me, I feel like I've gotten to know a lot more about who Justin is through Libica, listening to the record. And unfortunately, you know, for you, you're going to have to wait about another two weeks for it to come out. But I will say it's really good. It definitely has all of the stamps of the the influences that Justin brings up when wanting to start the band. But I don't think it does that thing where a lot of new bands sound so reliant on their influences because I think that's the the perk of everyone in the band being as old as they are is that they're able to still find their way through it through their influences. But I have to say I'm very excited to hear where the band goes from here, the growth that they have uh, as a band, as individuals learning their newer instruments and, and finding their respective voices collectively and, and individually. Um, to me, that is the always been the fascinating thing about finding and following band people who are known for one thing and then start going off and doing other things because it allows you to, to get to know more of them. And it's in, it's interesting to think about it like that because it's in such a way that it's not a traditional sense of like, okay, you tell me you like these things, whatever. I feel like music is so personal. It's, it's your own fingerprints, basically. It's your own voice. So for you to be able to articulate yourself in a new new set of skills, new set of languages, new however you want to articulate that. It's interesting because you get to learn something new about someone that you've known for so long. And to be able to look at them in a different capacity, I think really creates a fuller picture of who they are. So with all of that said, let's get into my conversation with Justin and I'll talk to you on the other side of it. So, you know, it's it's really funny uh, in thinking about, you know, the quote unquote prep for this, you know, knowing that you and I are going to be talking. It was kind of interesting to think about the last time you and I talked, which was literally the day before the whole world just fucking went to shit. Uh, you know, you were here in Grand Rapids on that kill switch, light the torch. Yeah, uh, right. And you and I had talked about. You know, just how the West Coast dates were kind of starting to like, I think it was Oregon was starting to kind of be like, it's 50%. Now it's going to be 25. 
And it's just kind of weird to think how far we've come since that conversation, literally with the pandemic, literally with touring kind of now coming back into the full swing. And, you know, you were kind of the impetus of everything. And, and now here we are, you know, two and a half years later. And it's, it's kind of weird to think about just how much has changed since that conversation. Two and a half years. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> miserable, miserable, well, I miserable mean, two and a half years, man. Oof. Not entirely. You, you got this record out as a result of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. At least something, something positive came out of it, but yeah, man. Um, I was trying to remember it because I was like, I'm pretty sure I couldn't remember specifically when we talked and I had forgotten that it was exactly like the day the before. Day before. Yeah, which is yeah. crazy. And then everything just started going just off the rails so quickly. I mean, being a sports fan, <laughs> I remember all the stuff that was going on with the Big East tournament was canceled and the NBA. I think the NBA getting canceling games was like the first thing that yeah. was just yep. like what really that's crazy and then all the venues are getting scaled down and we had this stuff on um on the in like the northeast that was all getting shut down and yeah it is crazy to think about how how your mindset was like okay we'll, we'll go home for a little bit and then everything will be okay and then it's like then, you know maybe nothing will be okay ever again <laughs> it's like all over the place it was just weird to think about and I mean, I guess this is a kind of a bigger narrative and a bigger, I mean, not necessarily for you or I, but just something I have been thinking about the last like couple of days is just, you know, even talking to JB like an hour before you and I did the difference in information, how the difference in how we were handling what we were being given and being told. And, you know, it was kind of jokey, like, oh, we're just overreacting to then when I was talking with you, it's like. I don't know. Games are getting canceled. Now we're hearing different things at venues and, and I don't know to then even at the very end of the show, you know, my wife was very adamant about like, can we go now? Can we go? Can we go? Can we leave? And I'm like, yeah. no, I'm going to say my goodbyes to everyone really quick. Like, you know, I know I'm going to see everyone in a week, maybe uh, in Detroit, but you know, I want to say goodbye to Josh and everybody. And uh, you know, in hindsight, like, you know, it's like I told her, I was like, that's why I always make a point to say my goodbyes to people because you know, I don't know, if I, like it was two years before I saw half of the people that I used to see at least every couple months. Um, right. And, you know, sadly, you know, I've had some people pass away in that time too. So it's like, you know, I'm a strong proponent of like, say your, your thank yous and your goodbyes and all that kind of stuff, because like, it's easier to be like, I'm glad I did that versus I wish I would have. Totally. You feel some way about somebody, tell them. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I mean, if that, this hasn't shown you that if this hasn't taught people that lesson, I mean, what's going to, you know, I would like to think that this would teach people to, to think more about those things and being more in the moment and being present for not only themselves, but for others, especially when we were isolated from one another. And it was, I think, you know, in light of us being able to do shit like this or having the world yeah. at our fingertips where we can communicate with whomever, I think it really put an emphasis back onto uh, reestablishing one-on-one -on -one relationships with people and, you know, kind of putting forth the effort into them because, I don't think anyone realized that like there was going to be a time where we literally couldn't be around people. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of people. I mean, <sighs> one of the things that happens when you tour all the time is you make friends all over the country and you usually see them sporadically, but you still see them every now and then. And there are people that, you know, <laughs> you don't, you don't, I, you don't, I haven't seen them in, three going on four years which sounds like a really long time i mean you think like wow i've been friends with this person for four years and it's like now no i haven't seen that person in, in 
years and years and years. So, and I think finally this tour, this kill search tour coming up is probably going to be about as close to normal as anything's been so far. And we're going to get to, you know, get to actually see some friends that we haven't been able to see in forever and get to hang out and get to, you know, do a few things and sort of have it feel a little bit more normal because touring, touring during it was definitely a lot different. But we just had to we had to do what you had to do to get through it, you know. And we got through our tours. So in that in that way it was a success, but it wasn't it wasn't the same at all. You know, it was uh it was very strange. I feel like that's something that you know, I know I talked to Josh when you guys are on that tour with uh Lamb of God and everybody, <clears throat> where basically I was like how has it been? Because I, I know one of the big parts for touring, other than literally the hour, two hours you're on stage, because it's a hurry up and wait game, yeah. that really the only thing that makes it worth, I don't want to say worthwhile, but really makes it enjoyable is the being able to go out and see the different parts of the cities you're in, getting to see the friends maybe that are coming to see you. And when you can't really do either of those, and it's solely the the time you have on stage, and even that's kind of a little bit, different because i mean the few shows i went to that were some of the first it was a lot of trepidation like you know i felt like it was kind of a refiguring out process for everyone like can i crowd surf do we want to be in a pit do we want to be at a show and then even you know maybe from you guys it's like you know some like the guys who aren't stuck behind a drum kit it's like how close and interactive do i still want to be how close do i want to get and yeah. it seems like it's taken until kind of recently for things to kind of feel back to normal in that capacity. Yeah, at first I felt guilty. The first time I went to a show, I felt guilty oh, going wow. to a show. And then I, I was like, I shouldn't be doing this. And then I was like, should we even be touring? Is it Are we being irresponsible expecting a group of people to come together into a room to be touring? Like, is that something that we should look at and not do? <laughs> There's all kinds of crazy, crazy stuff that goes through your brain, but Everything just got off the rails that no one could have ever foreseen. Kind of last question on that before we segue a little bit into sure. the, the why you're actually here. You know, I've not really talked to anyone that was kind of one of the first. I mean, that package tour was one of the first big tours to come around where it felt like, okay, touring of this size is back. Was that the Slipknot one? Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. was there a lot of and I guess I can only speak to you necessarily. If you don't want to answer it, that's fine. But was there a lot of trepidation between everybody in doing it? Because I know everyone on that package are friends. And so the fact that like everyone's kind of having to be distanced, even from friends on the tour has got to be hard and weird. I think everyone was itching to play again. And then once we thought that it was a safe environment to go play again, you know, it's our jobs. You know, everyone needed to go back to work at some point. We need to go back to work too. So um, even though it was going to be different and, you know, something is just as simple as having a day off and going out to eat somewhere, um, you know, all of that was done. Like we couldn't do that on, on tour. And we just wanted to make sure we got through it as much as we could. And we did. But I would say, I would say no one really enjoyed it and it was a little <laughs> bit of a bummer but obviously the shows are super enjoyable because we got to play again and it was such a great feeling to um you know at one point think that this was taken away from you and who knows how long it's going to be taken away from you and to be able to go and do it again and to um and also to see everybody that's there doing something that they love doing going to shows and that being a part of people's lives again is super um 
it was super, I don't know, rewarding. I don't know. Sounds weird, but just fun to see. It was, it was, uh, it was a good, um, I think it went about as well as it possibly could have gone. I agree. It's a, uh, it's interesting though, because, you know, out of this, as we sort of alluded to in the very beginning, um, excuse me, you have this new, and I might be pronouncing it incorrectly. Is it Lipeka? Lipeka? It is. Nailed it. Okay. On the yeah. first try. There we go. Um, I always get, it's funny living here in the Midwest for over half my life now, but growing up out East, I was like, it's the, it's the vowels that want to like throw where the enunciation goes on the word and how you do it. So I'm always like, is it the East coast way or is it something else? <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, obviously this sounds like it came at the start of the pandemic. I know when you and I had talked previously though, you were talking interestingly enough about how you had wanted to, do something kind of more in the post rock kind of vein. Um, I think even citing, you know, reject yourself, like how that kind of fits more of like what you were looking for, like the end of that song yeah. uh, to do something more like that. So is this something that you had actually been sitting on some of these demos maybe, and then just decided to revisit once the pandemic happened, or is this all brand new once the pandemic happened? No, there is some stuff that, <coughs> excuse me. There's some stuff that was um, sitting around in my, I don't know what to do with folder. <laughs> so, and yeah, I just write like some stuff and some stuff seems like it might end up being kill switch stuff. So it goes and show it to the guys, other stuff. It's like, Oh, I know they're not going to like that. Some stuff I'm like, well, maybe they'll like it or maybe they won't. And it's sort of just throw it out there. And, um, you know, this is just some stuff that had been sitting around for a while. And, um, two of my friends here, um, Joey and Doug that, I had been friends with for probably since I moved just about five or six years ago, six plus years ago, maybe, or somewhere in that area. Um, you know, they're musicians and we had talked a lot about just sort of playing together one day, like friend musicians do, like you just sort of, um, <laughs> just sort of ramble on about we'll jam together someday, man, and then never do it. <laughs> and so I'm like, hey, I got these cool ideas and I want it to sound like uh, I want to be in a band that sounds like Isis and it's like that kind of cool vibe and, you know, Caspian stuff. And I want to try to blend some cigarettes into it and all this stuff. And they're like, yeah, it sounds great. And, then, you know, whatever. <laughs> and so then I'm just sort of sitting around and I have, I'm not going to see the Kill Switch guys for God knows how long because I don't live anywhere near them. And Adam lives far away too. So <clears throat> what am I going to do? <laughs> what am I literally, what am I going to do? So I just was like, Hey guys, do you want to, I had a couple that I guess were newer ish. And I sent a couple of them to the other dudes and uh, they were into it. So he said, all right, well, whatever, let's just play and have something to do. We didn't have a drummer, which is funny because Doug is also a drummer and Doug didn't want to drum anymore not like forever, but he wanted to be in a band doing something else. So he wanted to play bass. So there's me and him playing instruments that we barely know what, what to do with. <laughs> <laughs> and then Joey, who's an actual guitar player is probably like, like, Oh, cool. My friends are trying to learn a new instrument. How cute. I'll hang out with them. <laughs> it's like, what are these guys doing? But like we, yeah, everyone was into it and we just started uh, plugging away. And when you have all that time and you get a new hobby like that, it's amazing how far you can dive into it. And so I just sort of got crazy with um, just watching uh, rig rundown videos all the time and uh, just going off on looking at new pedals and gear and just going nuts on it. And 
now I am apparently a wannabe guitar player. <laughs> now, are you... <clears throat> Because around the pandemic, I decided to upgrade all of my stuff, which you can see behind me, um, and actually getting ahead, getting a new cab and pedals and all that stuff. Yeah. Was it, did it seem as overwhelming to you where you're like, do I go with like a Kemper and just do the plug in thing and, and do that versus actual having tangible gear that you can adjust knobs and tones and do all that yourself and figure it out? It was what, very what round did you go? Well, I had, I already had a Kemper. Mm. Um, the guys were using them and I was like, okay, well that looks pretty easy. I can make real easy demos with that. I don't need to have a lot of stuff that I don't know how to use, which is the main thing. <laughs> it was pretty simple. <laughs> Even though it's also very overwhelming. It's very, it simple. looks like, so overwhelming. Yeah, it really is. But I, okay. I was just like, Hey guys, what profile do you use? <laughs> Literally email it to me. <laughs> and then I just put it in and then I use that one and that's, I barely touch it. I've sort of now I'm getting into tinkering with stuff a little bit more, but still. So ironically enough, the Kemper was a much easier way to do it than traditional gear. But when I started doing this stuff, I was thoroughly embarrassed at how little I knew about guitar after being <laughs> in bands for 25, 30 years or whatever it is. Like not knowing even the first thing about what pickups do to sound like just embarrassing stuff that you think I would know at this point, or at least have a, some kind of um, inkling to what they mean. But nope, it was like, <laughs> all it was new. Nope. I was just looking at guitars. It, I was kind of picking guitars like the way Mac and always sunny does. And he just it holds one and it looks cool. And I'm like, yeah, that one looks cool. I'll get it. And I, <laughs> like, Oh, it's a P90. What does that mean? Like <laughs> no idea. Well, I mean, I feel like they always say grab the instrument or grab whatever it is that's going to inspire you to pick it up and actually play it. So, I mean, to a degree, there is some truth in it looks cool because, yeah, then I'm going to play it. And I mean, especially when you start getting into some of these different guitars where they can be, you know, two, three, four, ten grand and stuff like that. Oh, Sometimes yeah. I look at some of those. I'm like, is it really worth that much? <laughs> I don't think so. But I mean... I've even started going down the rabbit hole of, you know, diff getting different pickups for a while. I was like, EMGs, those are the things. They work for so many bands. Like, why fuck with a good thing? Like, if it works for all of these bands that I'm into, right. it can't be bad. And then, you know, here comes along Ken Susie and his uh, Fishman Fluence pickups and all that kind of stuff. And now everyone's going to those. And you're like, well, they all use DMGs and they switch. <laughs> so is there something I should be looking into now with that? Yeah, the power of endorsements. I definitely understand. <laughs> it's like, oh, that guy's got got this. You know, I have. I watched. Um, I watched Caspian rig rundown, and I have a Strymon L cap because of it. <laughs> like that, like that kind of thing, you know. Yeah, thankfully I don't do that with my vinyl collecting because uh, I think after watching some people's setups, I'd like, oh, that does sound really good. And then you look up like those speakers or the the system itself and it's like 12 grand. And you're like, yeah. man, I don't know. I don't listen to my records that much right. to put 12 grand investment into the system. Yeah. Just to be like a foot and a half away from it at all times. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> um, you know, one of the funniest things I think uh, about reading the press release for the band and I feel like it just is so it felt so like that's life. That's really how life is. As you get older, it was uh, it said that, you know, Joey had mentioned uh, about how, you know, he'd go somewhere for a beer that he like was a regular at. And then people would be All like, right. do you know, Justin, 
you guys should jam. You guys should know each other. And I was like, that literally is how you meet new people when you get older. Like, it's not like you randomly are at a party and so, like you're just talking to someone. Like, sometimes that happens, but a lot of times it's like, do you know someone so? No, you should. I bet you got, you guys would be really good friends. I bet. So yeah. it's just really weird to see in a press release for a new band that it's like that's essentially how he became a part of the band. Was enough people were like, hey, you should know so and so. Do you? And then it finally happened. Getting set up by bartenders, right? Yeah, it's part of who job. says drinking doesn't uh, bring people together? Yeah, well, I mean, I thought in honor of being on this, I would have to have a beer. I mean, I'm sure most people that you have probably do the same, but I figured, you know what? Not really, actually. It's, it's actually surprisingly uh, been a point of uh, some people won't do it. Famously, Scott Stapp turned it down because he said it would uh, be a real what's the word that they used it was it basically was going to interfere with his new lease on sobriety which i understand but then i'm also like well then you probably should never play a venue with a bar just always play vfw halls uh because if you're worried about being on a show that talks about beers not in the actual interview uh or the chat then that you have a way bigger problem than than my show (laughs) well I'll what are you a, drinking, though? What do we got? Wicked weed, pernicious. Well, I assume that's somewhere local to you in Florida? It's uh, Asheville Brewery. Hmm. Asheville, uh, North Carolina? North Carolina, yep. Yeah. But they uh, distribute pretty well, and it's a pretty tasty beverage. I, up until going to Chicago about a week ago, was on a sober, sober August. Uh, but upon going to a Bears preseason game and then uh, a few hours later going to a White Sox Tigers game, I decided that it was pretty pointless to uh, go to a game and not drink. <laughs> Sporting events, man, they'll get you. <sighs> you know, and I didn't even didn't I don't even like either of the teams. I just wanted to like my wife was like, let's go to some football game, and I was like, yes. And then it was just the Bears were the closest, and then I was like, hey, the White Sox are playing. I've never been to that stadium, so let's go to that one. Do you have a stadium? Uh, do you have like a stadium counter going at all, or just? I haven't been to that many. Uh, typically, I end up going to Wrigley at least once a year to go see the Braves because that's as close as the Braves come to to the Midwest. Uh, yeah, to yeah. me, that's like three hours. <clears throat> and then, unless sometimes if they play the Tigers, which they do, they only like play the three years or four years. Ooh, maybe. It's maybe. well, usually because they do the summer league, they pretty much never play each other during the regular season. I I can't tell you the last time that they played the tigers have gone there but they've not played uh in detroit in probably a good six seven years at least um because that would be a way easier drive for me but uh we're actually going to a braves game in about a about a month from now actually um still riding high from that world series fuck yeah man and you know what's been really funny is the bar i was working at uh i wasn't working the night they clinched and we're going and I didn't end up working the night that we won and we like I'm on the team, but, <laughs> and I remember like when they had clinched to go to the world series, someone's like, Oh, all these fair weather fans coming out of nowhere. And I was like, motherfucker, I have been a fan since the year before they won last time. Like you want to talk about a drought. Almost my entire life of liking this team has been abysmal. Just watching them like lose to all the upcoming dynasties of like the Yankees, which I know you're a fan of, uh, which is really hard watching. 
that Derek Jeter think. stuff, watching that stuff. Well, I was like, mm, yeah. fucking. <laughs> I was happy for it. Freeman. I like Freddie Freeman a lot. I, I especially like him because he brought his cat to spring training all the time. So I always, <laughs> I was way into him. So I was glad to see him win, and I was hoping the Yankees would sign him. <laughs> I'm kind of. Nope. It's one of those sometimes. Like Freeman is one of the first, one of the first free agents in a long time where. Like I'm glad he he won his ring with us and all that kind of stuff, but I really gotta say, like it's been so tumultuous and weird, because like I'll see him play for the Dodgers, I'm like I don't, I want to not like you, but I don't know if you're playing this sympathy card and being like, well my man my agent is the one that fucked me oh, and right, made yeah, me leave, so I'm not entirely sure like if I still want to blame him, but ultimately it's like you're the one that signed the deal, you're the one that has the the can change everything and say yay or nay. And to me, it's like, I think because you were so beloved and you're always looked at as a good guy, the narrative changed once you went to the Dodgers. And it's like, I think he wanted to still play at his home state, play for the Dodgers, get all this money and do all this stuff and still be loved by the old fan base. It's like, you can't, can't have it always, man. And it'll I think soften. It'll soften. It will. When they have like the, the uh, World Series re- reunions, everybody's going to love him and he'll be there. All the Braves fans will be cheering. It'll be all right. He'll be fine. He'll yeah. be just fine with his money and cats. <laughs> <laughs> How are you feeling about your Yankees this year? I mean, Aaron Judge is just going on a fucking tear. Yeah, he's good. Uh, <laughs> Understatement bat, of the day. And he bat nine times. Uh, it's, uh, all this nonsense the first like three months where they started comparing him to the 98 Yankees. I was just like, give me a break relax this is the same virtually the same lineup that's been mediocre to upper mediocre for the last three years or whatever it's been we'll see what happens and now they can't win to save their lives and everybody's comparing them to the 1990 yankees which is also <laughs> a little much but at least the 98 comparisons aren't there anymore which is ridiculous so i don't know i mean it's been it's been a little annoying that uh, they pretend that they're a poor franchise now and they make it's all half measures. All the, they're just going half measures on everything, so it's just kind of annoying. But what are you gonna do? I don't know. It's so weird because like I had said, probably four four or five years ago, I had said this team will be if we can keep our core of like Acuna, Albies, Freeman, Dansby, sort of at the time, some of our pitching staff and the the farm system we had at the time, which we've actually been able to maintain most of the good parts. I was like, we'll be competitive starting like last year is where I thought we'd be like kind of turning the corner, maybe getting into the late playoff runs, be viable for a World Series like this year. So the last when I made that comment to friends when they were like, oh, I didn't know you're a Braves fan or like baseball or sports in general. It was kind of funny to be like, shit, we made the playoffs. Shit, we're can't beat the Dodgers. Shit, we're we're a game away from the World Series. Now we're (laughs) in the World Series and won it. And it's like this year, it's like. I don't know. Like I was kind of trepidatious. Like we couldn't, couldn't beat the fucking Mets to save our lives. And now we just swept them in a series yeah. and I'm kind of like, all right, like, can we pull this off? Like we're doing better than last year and last year. No one, we like, we barely snuck in. So right. I don't know, but I mean, anymore, it's like who, who gets hot, who, who goes down with a major injury, who comes up out of nowhere. Like you never know. Baseball, I think is one of the, I mean, I guess any sport really is just one of those where it's, it's, uh, it's all timing and luck and, Who's who's hot when they need to be? True. Yeah. Have you uh, made it out to any Yankees games this year? Nope. No. Nope. Um, yeah, I haven't been to. I haven't been to a game in a while now. 
I was gonna say, firing back the question to you, how many how many stadiums have you knocked off? Uh, a lot. Touring touring helps a lot. Adam and I have made a point to try to go to as many as possible, and he, I think, is. If he's not done, he might only have like one more to go. He's really close. And I have, I think, five more. And it was four except for Texas having their brand new one. So now I can't claim <laughs> Texas anymore. But I have five left. Do you <laughs> so buy something from each each stadium? No, no. no? I just have um, – yeah, I just go. I think Pittsburgh so far is my favorite. What about Pittsburgh Stadium do you like? I, I just love it. It just seems like a ballpark. It's the right size. It has a gorgeous uh, backdrop with the bridges and the city back there. Uh, the food and drink, the concessions there are awesome. It's just uh, it's in a good spot in in the city. All of it, just all of it's great. And I've been lucky to go there a bunch of times because we played the venue that's like a block away from it a couple times when they've had games and had off days there too. So snuck in to see games a, a few times there. It's a pretty awesome place. I think so far, I think I'm biased. I think Truist is because it's new. And it's seemingly what a lot of newer stadiums are doing where it's not it's not built to just be the game. It's built to be a whole entertainment area. Um, the food's great. They have like a brewery on site. So they do like specific beers for various nights and so forth, which is awesome. Um, but it's also around like there's a venue down there and restaurants and so forth. Like they built everything around the new park. Right. And I think that really works. Um and the, the ability to kind of travel around the stadium and take in the game from all different vantage points is really nice versus you're just like, I'm at the game and here's my seat and this is where I sit. And that's about all there is. Um, yeah. But I did like St. Louis. We went to a St. Louis game a couple months ago and for being an older park uh, and it was, it was supposed to rain really bad and it just got really dark and ominous, but like having the arch, like in the center field or uh, right field, over there mm-hmm. was kind of cool and seeing all that like yeah. i think it is fun when the city is kind of somehow a, uh a part of the, the the game definitely i lived there for for a while and i went to games there and it's a really nice park um <clears throat> going back to the record though sure. so how uh so i was kind of you know really impressed with the record it sounds really good at, but i didn't have really any information on who like who recorded it who mastered it all oh, that yeah. kind of stuff so who who had a hand in all that, or was that all kind of a collection of you? No, definitely not me. <laughs> well, I meant you um, as the band, the people. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely not us. Uh, we went to Jonathan Nunez from Torch's studio mm. um, in Miami, and he tracked everything. And he had really um, great insight on tone, and really got a lot of stuff that we wanted. Um, as far as like getting some of the heaviness there and as far as having it sound like a real, like having it sound like a band, I wanted the drums to sound very, very real, very anti modern metal drum sound, I guess it would be. Um, and yeah, it was great. It was an awesome experience. And like I said, how Doug and I were playing fairly new instruments, it was pretty nerve wracking to one thing to stand in the room and kind of jam with people. And it's another thing to have the, the, uh, the red light on when you're recording and tracking. So I was pretty, um, I was nervous. I was very nervous. But it went great. Jonathan was awesome. And then Will, um, who lives in Connecticut, and he has a studio called uh, The Radar, and he's in a band called Psalm. It's a really awesome band. He mixed it. Um, we 
I sort of uh, fell into getting introduced. I haven't met him yet. (laughs) (laughs) But I sort of got introduced to him through um, Daryl that was in this band called The Cancer Conspiracy. That was one of my absolute all-time favorite bands. And probably the best, my maybe my favorite record ever, the best, my favorite record ever of any album, but it's the best like instrumental record I've ever heard. And it's old, old, you know, relatively old. It's probably early 2000s that it came out. So kind of before-ish that instrumental um, music or post-rock or post-metal was really, um, like you could find a lot of bands that did it. It seemed like it was kind of early, like 2001 and two, it seems early for that for me, um, unless I'm just out of it. <laughs> but anyway, so I met Daryl online through some other thing and then he was doing it with Will and Will had done some stuff with Caspian. So I was immediately smitten because I love Caspian. And so we just sort of, sort of ended up talking about some stuff and um, we sent that to him to mix it and he, did a great job with the mix, um, yeah, and, and and he mastered it too, and that was that. And we're really we're really stoked on how it came out, and uh, hopefully you can't tell that two guys are playing uh, new instruments. I think that's I think you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I, hear, I hear stuff now, and I'm like, oh god, how did they not hear that when we tracked it? One more shot at it, but whatever. Well, I mean, a couple of things to that. Um, one of my favorite stories and recent uh, guests, you know, probably in the last few months was having Phil from All That Remains on, uh, you know, talking about the 20 years of uh, the fall of ideals and just recording with Adam D. And I was like, I think Adam is sort of notorious in a funny way of just like, nope, do it again. Right. And just stuff like that. Like, so I know most of your recorded output that most people would know. I mean, it's all been Adam for the most part, other than the one record. And I don't remember if you tracked with, uh, I'm trying to think of who did the first self-titled record. Um, Cause I know Adam and you guys tried to do it with somebody else. And then I think maybe only the drums and bass got done tracking with whoever did that record. For which one? Uh, the first self-titled record. I'm sorry. The second self-titled record. The second one. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, yeah. That was with Brendan O'Brien. Okay. Um, so, I mean, for the most part, most of your recorded stuff has been done with one person. Yeah. How did you find this to be working with someone different and kind of, I mean, I guess learning a different vocabulary, literally in the instrument that you're playing and also with the person who's recording you and trying to get whatever out of you? It was, um, it's at this point, Adam and I are such good friends after so many years, after 20 years, you know that um it is making it's it's making a record with someone that you really know well and that you can joke around with and whatever and he's he has no problems saying that was fucking awful what are you doing <laughs> and i'm like i know that sucks or it's just him just or just <laughs> playing something and like looking in the room and seeing him like <laughs> like making faces like oh so like whatever so but it's fine and he, obviously his results are, I mean, we all know what the results are from him. So no one is mad about it. You just, you just get it right, get it right. And then it's fine. You don't have any problems if you just get it right. <laughs> Weird how that deal? happens. The notes are right there. Just play them the right way and then everything will be fine. But it was, it was great. It was great. Um, Jonathan had a really sweet, relaxed vibe in the studio and just sort of 
even keel dude just kind of hanging out like yeah man good job like just cool yeah what's what's next and you get a part and you be like yeah cool all right cool yeah what's next and that, that was it and it was um it was great it was it was uh super uh relaxing and just no pressure situation getting it done there was obviously no pressure anyway because it's not like we had any kind of uh label pressure like we just were doing it on our own we were just going to record it do it and then see if anybody wanted to be a part of it afterwards hmm. so whatever pressure was on it was just we wanted it to sound how we were envisioning the record in in our heads what was it like if you could remember the first take of the record for you playing guitar you hear i don't the, remember the, you don't remember i was gonna say because no. i can imagine uh, the here comes the click track you're about ready to go in on the floor or whatever and then you're like like yeah. just i could feel like there would be a lot of anxiousness because it's like okay this is I'm, I'm starting this new journey of this new band you know it's it's all these yeah. new things that i'm not used to i guess maybe i i also did the drums on the record because we didn't have a drummer yet so it was i had already done the drums so i guess i was sort of broken into the environment somewhat i've been in the studio and a tracked and the drums were there so i guess i had a, a day or two days i guess to sort of um get over whatever newness nerves there were around being in a different place or whatever but yeah i, I can't remember what i what song we did first it probably would have been one of the ones that i think would be easier to do first to try <laughs> to, get, to get something under my belt i can't remember what it was though but i know when i'm at home and i'm demoing stuff um I, I just constantly berate myself. Like after everyone, I'm just like, you fucking suck. And I'm punching the thing, like deleting it. And it's like, are you, are you fucking, you can't even get that right. What the fuck is wrong with you? And I do it again. So that's how I yell at myself when I'm doing all of it. So I was just hopefully, I was hoping that I wouldn't do that in front of other people. <laughs> I, was I don't think I did. But I, don't know. I just, I think it's so interesting, you know, there was a line in that uh, Set This World of Blaze DVD where you had commented, you're like, I'm not even the best drummer in my band. <laughs> and I was just thinking as you were saying, like, I track drums. And I was like, whoever the drummer becomes, now you can that person can say to you, I'm not even the best drummer in the band. And it's come full circle now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the best. Now I'm not the best guitar player in the band either. So I'm never the best. <laughs> I just got to find bands where I'm at least – Second best. Second best at whatever it is that I'm trying to do in the band. It's going to be hard if I want to play bass someday because that's going to have to have, be a band with two bass players and there aren't too many of those. It's, I mean, I might be putting in the, uh, the cart before the horse here on this one, but, you know, playing live, like, have you kind of thought about how you want, you know, especially with an instrumental record and, and instrumental music as a whole, I feel like a lot gets put on the presentation in the live setting because it kind of helps set a mood and a vibe and is kind of also as much of a part of the the atmosphere and everything that's happening since there are no words or lyrics to kind of guide anyone have you kind of been thinking about that what this band and what the music looks like in a in a live setting yet a little bit we've had two shows so far um so we've kind of broken <clears throat> broken the seal on getting out and in front of people and actually playing and um 
I don't, I don't know. It's like, it, it feels like things like that are things that you need money for <laughs> <laughs> like production or a good light show or any of that kind of stuff. And, you know, right, right now we're just playing whatever we can play on whatever, you know, so far we haven't had any, you know, rough backlines that we've had to kind of walk into, but sure it's going to happen. And, you know, whatever light bulb, you know, 60 watt bulb over your head, the light show. So, so that's all going to happen. So I, I think now the main thing I'm just trying to think about is just playing the parts and not looking like a zombie um, or looking scared playing the parts, you know, just trying to get so comfortable with it that you're not thinking about it and you can just be in it and you can just be um, relaxed in yourself and not look like some, like an imposter kind of up there. So I'm just kind of struggling with that first. I can, we'll get to the, the bigger picture of everything. Later. <laughs> how, how was, has that transition been for you? I mean, I mean, obviously the, you know, one of the first examples I can think of of someone going from behind a drum kit to, to being a front man is, is Dave Grohl, but you know, he was able to pull it off so well, but I, and I think the other thing that makes it a lot easier for people is you at least still have something in your hands. So you're not mm -hmm. completely, 100% just a front man with nothing in your hands and you have to figure all of that out. How I would say that? that I'm a front man though. I definitely well, wouldn't no, say that. But I mean, you're more upfront than you ever have been. That's true. So how has that transition been for you? Kind of being yeah. more of a, a, in the front of things and being, instead of just kind of being a background figure, no, I mean, not to be mean about it, but. No, you're 100% right. Drummers are complete, the drummers are part of the stage props. <laughs> You gotta build around you, basically. Yeah. They're, they're like, it might as well be a backdrop. No one pays attention. They glance at it every now and then, and it's like, oh yeah, that's back there. I mean, especially in um, drumming and kill search, when you got guys running like crazy people all over the place, like there's so much. Everyone's just like, what's happening with all these crazy people? And then I'm just sort of back there, like so. I'll be playing and forever playing drums, and you sort of look out at the crowd, and I don't have to worry about making eye contact with anyone because no one's ever looking at me. You know, Sorry, straight up, the, the interesting thing since, uh, you know, having Rush be like me being the one Rush will usually take with him to uh, go see you guys and befriending Josh over the last handful of years and so forth is it's been nice because now I actually can see you playing because from where most of the time I'm able to be in the crowd, either the stages and I'm not very tall. So it's like either I can kind of just see you over everything or there's too many lights hitting me. So I can't really see. But it's been kind of nice because I can actually see a lot of what you're doing. And then my only like gripe is that I wish most of the venues you're playing had kind of a way for me to get sort of behind more so I can actually <laughs> see what you're actually playing and seeing you play because you've always been you make it look so fucking effortless from oh, my perspective. Good. But you play with such force, but it doesn't seem like it either. It, like I said, it just seems so effortless when I see you play that I'm always like, I want to be able to see more of it. But typically, even on the screens when they're doing like the cameras, whoever's got a camera on you, it's like just kind of in front. So even still, it's like almost my perspective of like your kick drums, all your drums, cymbals and all that. And then it's like, here's a face and part of a torso yeah. and arms. And that's all I see. So it's it's been kind of nice befriending some of the people in the camp and being able to kind of be able to see you more personally. Um I would like to see you pushed up a little bit more, sort of like it. What was that tour you guys did where you had the catwalks that went around you? So it, you were kind of pushed a little bit more closer to the front of the stage to accommodate yeah. that. I don't remember what that was. I sort of remember that setup. I can't remember which, which yeah. tour that was. 
but to me that was that was a good setup because then at least we could see you a little bit more up front with everybody else but i hate drum um, risers too i don't ever want to be on a riser I, I want to be on the floor as close to the floor as i can get i oddly i've kind of as you just say that i've kind of thought about the last handful of tours you've done on the cycles and it's yeah. like you're usually never more than like a few steps up into your your kit whatever the the um height of a of a wheel is mm-hmm. i want that to be <laughs> You don't want to be like a Charlie on that anthrax run where you guys just like, like way the fuck up there. I just like there. being on the ground. I feel uncomfortable up there. I don't like it. I like being on the ground. But one of the main differences that I've noticed so far is when you're drumming and you're really into something and it's super physical, mm. and you're really into something, and you have all this great physical energy and release. And when you're playing guitar, it's in something you're really into something, and it's like this is all I got. Like I guess I could do this. <laughs> But I don't. This, I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna hit. I'm either gonna miss it entirely, or I'm not gonna hit the note. This is like how how do I transfer this small motion into <laughs> being able to feel like um, being able to let out what the what I'm actually feeling like. Like I can with drums when I'm just flailing like a maniac, which is really um, it's just fun. It's fun to get that out and have all of that come out. So I, know, I suppose I could headbang, but I'm old. It's hard. <laughs> I, got, I have to do like the full body thing where it's sort of like like the bird in the water. Like that's the only thing I want to really do. Just got to do this. So. I think that was the, the funniest thing that was pulled from our, our last chat was people being like, who I don't even remember who ran it. It was just like, Justin Foley admits that it's getting harder to play Killswitch because he's getting old. And I was like, oh, that happens to everybody. <laughs> Like well, it's, not I'm, <laughs> yeah. it's like I think everyone as they get into a, a sustained career, like I mean Metallica don't move around like they they used to. Like, you know, a lot of these bands don't move around like that because they, they can't. And I mean, shit. I mean, most of the guys in your band now, I think, have all had some sort of pretty permanent bad injury, like Adam with his <laughs> back, and I think you had said you had something with your back or legs or something a while back as well. Uh, it's my shoulder. Joel, Mike's, right. Mike's knees hurt. Like, yeah, it's just that's the way it is. Apparently, Joel's the only one that's getting through with with no major injury so far. Yeah, Joel's doing pretty good. <laughs> I don't know what his secret is, but he's he's doing all right. Must be all the beer he drinks beforehand. <laughs> must be. Must be. <laughs> you know, um, speaking kind of a, of different bands and so forth, I had seen Jostin the other day post about because he bought the rights to Milwaukee Metal Fest. I saw that. And first of all, I think that's great. That dude has talked about buying bands or a band or a collection of people buying back old festivals and, and kind of rebringing them back, which I think is a, an interesting concept because it, it brings it back to music focused. It brings it back to the bands and kind of brings, I think, all these festivals back to what the whole point was, was to just bring people together for a, an awesome curation of music. And he gets teased, though. Who wants to see a Blood is Ben Shed reunion at Milwaukee Metal <laughs> Fest? And I was just like, Are, could it happen? Like, I know we joked about it. Like, you know, that in that in the time before I talked to you, I talked to Howard and I talked to Corey of all fucking people. And, you know, having Corey having sent some demos of what was supposed to be on the last record, I'm like, could this finally fucking happen? Like, it seems yeah. like the people want it. You don't think so? No, I don't know. I mean, I've, I have no idea. Um, yeah, I hear from Corey occasionally in, in bursts, you know, sometimes. 
sometimes I don't hear from him for a while, and other times he's calling me every week or so and just talking about stuff he's thinking about. And it's like, all right, yeah, cool. Yeah, I it's, obviously it's difficult. I live far away. We he's he's super busy working, and I mean I have all whatever nonsense that I have going on. And Howard's like <laughs> Howard is doing like six million projects right now, which is awesome. So um, yeah, who knows? I mean, it, it would be really fun, and it would take uh, it would take a lot of work to get that stuff ready to, to play in front of people. That would be that would be one of the things that would just have to it couldn't be like a sudden thing because <laughs> that shit was hard and, and I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't played that in a while so it would take it would take some time and it would take like actual legit long rehearsal periods to get that stuff ready but yeah it would be it would be a lot of fun i'm i'm surprised i'm very surprised whenever anybody mentions it though because we played so long ago first of all i mean I don't know when our last show exactly was, but it was probably either 04 or 03, something in that area. So it's been a really, really long time. And it's not like we were selling out arenas or headlining tours or anything when we were playing. So it's always funny to me when there's interest on things that there was some interest on before, but now it seems like there's more for whatever reason. Who knows? It's like, yeah. Well, I feel like, you know, you guys played Furnace Fest last year in Killswitch, and there was a lot of talk of, you know, if, if Blood is Show was to get back together, it would be something like that, where it's bringing back a lot of old bands. They have a year or so to get together before the announcements and all that kind of stuff to really kind right. of figure it out. And then it's kind of a surprise for everyone. There's no commitments beyond the one show. So you can just kind of focus on that and let the chips fall where they may. And everyone can go back to doing whatever it is they do and have that one show, which is the whole point of doing the reunion show at a one-off festival like that. That'd be a great way to do it. Yeah, for sure. But even thinking back, you know, you guys doing Furnace Fest, what was it kind of like for you guys playing a fest and seeing so many bands that have, you know, kind of gone away for so long? I mean, cause I mean, essentially that's if a blood has been shed reunion were to happen, you kind of firsthand got to see what it'd be like and an experience from sort of a fan and as a, a fellow musician for some of these people with some of the bands that played last year. It would have been, we unfortunately weren't there the day beloved played or mm. so that, that was a bummer. Cause I really would have liked to see that, <laughs> but it was cool. The vibe there was awesome. I mean, yeah, it would be a really fun thing to do. So, um, but I think you're absolutely right. That would be the way that that would, that would happen. That'd be the best way for that to happen. I would say. So I don't know if, uh, I don't think like, I know Milwaukee metal fest would be cool. I, I remember being a kid. I always wanted to go there cause I was way into, um, way into all the Scott Burns bands, like everybody that went to Morrisound, that liked all those bands. And they all played <laughs> Milwaukee Metal Fest, and I was like, "Oh man, someday I want to go to Milwaukee Metal Fest." So it is cool. I think it's weird, you know, being almost forty. Like, <clears throat> so by the time this comes out, like, oh, I probably already said I, I'll either have fast tracked it or whatever. But uh, Thursday, I'm supposed to talk to you the one of the two organizers of the Kentucky Irate Fest that's just been basically a, a shit show. And it's been kind of funny because I I've, I've kind of gotten off social media quite a bit 
So like everything I see is in like weird spurts just on whatever I'm on. And so I didn't even know this is a thing. And it wasn't until going through a friend's band that I'm working with email. And I kind of was just seeing this exchange of like, okay, here's how, what's going on. Da, 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 da. Then bands were dropping. So it's like, Hey, we're going to refund you your buy on. We're going to move you up to this, you know, on these other things to then now it's canceled. And I'm like, getting all this information in a matter of five minutes of reading this and then going like, what the fuck, what the fuck's going on? So then going online and seeing at least what's being reported. And, you know, I was talking to the guy that now runs lamb goat and he was like, yeah, you know, this thing was doomed. Like, look at the location, like all these other things. And I was like, I mean, if we're going to talk about location, I mean, like, look at half of the Hellfest. look at half of like, you know, I mean, you guys played Dirt Fest when it was like way bigger, but it's like Dirt Fest was literally called that because it was on fucking dirt stages. Look at Warp Tour when it first started. All these things we look back on and hold in such high regard for the metal and hardcore scenes for what they became. They all started pretty meagerly and in and kind of things that might be laughable in the beginning. And I think we forget that, you know, for a scene that we're so supportive of, quote unquote, because it's it's underground and we want places to have a place to go and be welcomed and all that kind of stuff. All we do is as soon as someone tries and maybe doesn't succeed, we just are so quick to tear them down. And I'm like, why? Like, why are, why do we love something so much, but just shit on it so fast? Like, and I feel like that's music and that's metal and hardcore in a nutshell is like, I love it, but only the way I love it. And if I don't, then I fucking hate it and I tear it down. And it's like, you ruin everything that you love. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of that going around. I definitely avoid the internet as much as possible. <laughs> it's the only way to be sane. How is it? Because I don't. I I think you now have an Instagram, if I'm not mistaken. I do. Um, how have you found that to be? Because I, I would imagine. The music industry is kind of weird because, like, I, I'm always kind of low key jealous of people, like, you know, like Daryl from Glassjaw is not on anything. Most of the Glassjaw dudes are not on anything. They exist in real life as people, not as these things presented on the internet. But I feel like so many bands nowadays have to, like, you have to get an Instagram, you have to do these things. You know, you have people telling you what you should and shouldn't post and all this kind of stuff. Do you f- find it to be kind of weird now to start? getting a social media page and then kind of traversing through all of this, you know, after it's been however many, probably a decade at least of you not really having something. Yeah. I had one for my cats a while ago. That was just a cat one. So I got, um, yeah, I was just, I was just posting cat pics and basically following other famous Instagram cats. That's pretty much what I did with that one. <clears throat> and then I kind of eventually snuck bands into it. So it's a, it's a good way to watch what other bands are doing and see what they're doing and just keep up with um, what tours are happening, and that kind of stuff. But that was pretty much it. <clears throat> um, and then I stopped that one. And then when it was pretty much when I knew that this Libico was going to start, that I was like, okay, well, I'll just start one again. I, I want to get some eyes on this project. And if I start one that's actually me, maybe I can get some eyes on that one too. But I'll keep it kind of low key. I won't really have a whole bunch of stuff on there. Um, <clears throat> it's not like a private one, so it's just sort of open. But um, I don't know. I just sort of, I just sort of did it just to put it out there, and and I, I don't 
really feel like doing a whole ton of interaction on it, really, if any. I just sort of want to have it, and then then I can still watch other Instagram cats and see what the Instagram cat world is up to. <laughs> and then still, you know, check on other bands. And then occasionally when Killswitch has some cool stuff, I'll just post about it. And when Levick has some stuff, I can post about it. And then maybe some people that are into Killswitch will see it. I don't, I don't go into this thinking, oh, cool, this band's going to do great because I have this giant kill switch audience and everyone's going to love it. Like, I'm not crazy. I don't think that at all. <laughs> I do think that I'm lucky that I'm going to be able to get some eyes and some ears on it that it wouldn't normally have if I was just somebody starting a band from scratch from in a different situation. Like, luckily, I <clears throat> have another sort of platform that people know about so, you know, that's cool. So why not, um, you know, why not just mention <laughs> what else is going on? <laughs> why not say, yeah, I got this going on too. Anybody like, uh, is there any crossover people that like uh, instrumental, post-rocky, post-metal music? Check this out. Maybe you'll dig it. If not, you know, whatever. It's fine. Don't get mad. So uh, it, it is. it is, it does feel like we have to, do stuff and it's just like I don't know how to do good stuff. I don't know how to do good content other than, you know, animal photos. Kind <laughs> <laughs> of it. So you know, we we try. We try to put stuff up there, and then we have the obviously the band has um, its page as well that that we try to keep up with, and it always feels like we could be doing more on that one. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's not. I'm not like a huge. I've never been a huge. Um, social media person to begin with anyway so it's just sort of um <clears throat> it's just sort of not natural for for me to just have an idea to put something on there or 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 to have really good ideas that end up being really big posts that everybody sees and likes so i think that's the thing that's always kind of drawn me to you um and i guess kind of drummers as a whole like <clears throat> i feel like they're often overlooked because of either someone wants to talk to the singer or the, the guitar players or whatever. But I always feel like it's, it's always like the drum. A lot of drummers are really quiet and soft-spoken <laughs> and kind of to themselves. And I find yeah, that really obnoxious instrument. Yeah. But that's, that's like kind of the weird thing. Like, and, you know, and, and same, I've kind of found with, you know, a lot of, um, you know, like a friend of mine, Fox, that was in the band scene next Tuesday, you know, he's this like little short dude. He very soft spoken, doesn't really talk a whole lot. And then he like is in this grindcore band and just goes ape shit. And you're like, that's that's totally the opposite dynamic of who you are yeah. uh, in your day to day life. So I always think it's kind of interesting this this duality that different people have. And, and like I said, like um, the few things that you do, especially you know if it's Instagram or whatever, the few things that come out about you, I always am like, oh, what's going on? Because like like I said, you're so mysterious. Like a lot of your band is not. You still kind of have a foot in the old where it's like you. We don't know anything about you unless you want us to know about it. And I think that there's some sort of intrigue in that because I, I mean, that's sort of the era we all grew up in where it's like other than whatever the press that the band was willing to do, that's the only access we had to them. Whereas now it seems it's fine. like yeah, hundred percent. That's fine. Hundred percent. What's like? But then you have now where everyone's like, all right, it's you know, I have to post at this time, this time, and this time, and this time, and I have to do these things, and you know, I got to create good content, and you, you're seeing a completely different 
type of music, I guess musician, but you're seeing a different type of way that the industry is making bands be. And I don't know if it's going to go full swing back to the old way that it used to be, or if it's going to be once like the bit, like the tools and, you know, people like yourself and some of these other band people, once they're kind of gone or done, I don't know if it's ever going to go back to that way. Now that we've lifted, you know, the, the Pandora's box off of it, the lid off the box, I should say. Yeah, maybe. Um, it's, it's sort of, you know, I mean, I've kind of seen it happen where, um, people that do a lot of posting, um, fans kind of feel like they're your friend and it's Mm -hmm. a little strange. Like people you've never met kind of feeling like they're your good friends. And it's sort of, I'm a little socially uncomfortable with people I don't know and to begin with. So it's not, it's not exactly something I'm aiming for. (laughs) So I don't know. I just sort of try to, Keep it keep it where 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 it is right now. I don't know, but I do want people. I do understand that it's a good way to get people to listen to what you do, and that's always been. There's a weird kind of contrast in that. I don't want to be out there, and I don't want to be like <clears throat> putting all my info out there and everything. Yet I do want everybody in the entire world to hear the music that I make, and that's a, how it always is when you're playing music when you're with um like the first time you ever start a band and you're in your basement you want people to hear it you want people down the street to hear it and then you want people in the next town to hear it and it's just always you always want people more people to hear your music and that's just always the way it is now there's this new method not new but you know the social media is like another way to get that out there so it's there's the person in that wants to stay you know, this, there's a shy person versus the person that wants everyone to hear the music that they're making. So those guys are going like this a lot. It's funny while I'm not, I'm not saying like I'm already over this, this new record. Cause I just literally got the advance of it like two days ago. But what's interesting to me is to, you know, you've, you've said it a couple times, like you have two people who are new at the instrument. So I'm really excited to see, what the next stuff, the newer stuff starts down. Like now that you're a little bit more comfortable, maybe you're getting a little, like each of you is getting a little more like, okay, I just learned how to do this new thing. Yeah. And I'm bringing this, you know, this to the table of what, you know, Libica can be. So I'm interested to see where the band goes with some of the stuff they're writing. And I think what's interesting about this and, and with it being on a uh, metal blade, maybe this will kind of not be the case, but it seems exciting because it's new and it's kind of a, a smaller band. And so usually you can kind of get away with like, I know we just put out an EP or a record, but here's some new stuff. Cause like we're, we're trying to build and grow. So we want to constantly be in people's on people's radar. So you do might you be playing, able to get a, Do you mean playing live? No, I mean, just putting out music, like as you're oh, getting okay, it I'm done, because I think that's the hard thing. And something I've really been fascinated with is, you know, with thinking about the, the, 
we'll call it a record cycle. So by the time you're putting out a new record, like, you know, it was really interesting thinking actually about the last kill switch record, you know, as soon as you guys are starting to tour again, everyone's like, so you guys writing new music since you've been offered like the last two years. It's like, we barely put out the last one and we only got to do like two fucking dates on it. And then that's it. So like, we haven't even been able to celebrate this last record we did. And then now here you are, you know, seeing the news, like the new records being recorded and, you know, it's oh. this thing of thinking about how by the time we are hearing the quote unquote new record, you've sat with it probably a year, year and a half, two years, and you're kind of already over it, but you're writing something else that has been inspired by literally what you're going through now. And so we're always playing catch up as fans versus you as the artist, whereas sometimes I think with a smaller, newer band, it's always fun because you can kind of go along on a sonic journey a lot faster as it's actually happening. And so to me, that's where with Libica, I think I'm a little bit more intrigued and excited because if you're able to do that, I think it'll be interesting to see the growth happen exponentially so much faster than every couple years. I think, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I see what you mean. We, we've, we've, are, we've had two shows, like I said, and on this last show, we played a new song that's not on the record already. <laughs> this one's not even out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> So yes, there because there is there is new material and, and one of the things with um, all the songs that are on the record that's going to come out on uh, September sixteenth, which is very soon, and I cannot wait because it seems like forever ago that we recorded it. <clears throat> but that was that was done with um, like we recorded that record. Like I said, I played drums because we didn't have a drummer, so we made a record and we still weren't a full band. We were mostly a band but we still weren't a full band like we couldn't go play a show yet because we literally didn't have a drummer and we were playing um practicing all of those songs with the demos drum tracks just playing over a speaker and then the rest of us playing along to it and figuring out and but a lot of that stuff was kind of written before or written kind of beforeish and during that process but still we hadn't even really done a whole lot of playing in a room together. So that obviously changes how things go and it changes how you think about what the band is and the dynamic between people playing and everything. So you're exactly right. There's, there's kind of a different feeling um, after you do that for a while and you know, bands grow and bands change all the time. And I feel like we've already kind of started growing to um, where some of the new songs that we have are that I think we sort of have figured out a little bit more so what our strengths as a band are, even though this record still isn't out. It sounds crazy, but I feel like uh, like we have um, maybe even a, a slightly clearer picture of what we can do well, and we can kind of focus on what we're doing well, and you know, taking things that way. Um, Rather than you know doing a lot of cool stuff, but you know not really like finding your finding your footing, sort of you know like like finding out what's what's going on, which um, which is also a super fun thing to do and a super exciting thing to listen to. It's great when you listen to early bands' records and they're finding their way, especially when you when a band turns into something and then you listen back to where they came from and it's really interesting to hear them finding their way and like oh I I can see where an album four records later comes from by like this song like they went they, they like must have liked that and explored that avenue and then took it somewhere else later on so 
that's a pretty cool thing. But yeah, I mean, I'm super excited to to just see what happens in general. I mean, I'm dying to go out and play. I'm dying for this to be to be out there and for people to be able to to hear it and check it out and like it or hate it or be indifferent, whatever. I mean, it's there. I think what's interesting. I just kind of thought of this. It, it's interesting now. Everybody has at least one other band that's in kill switch. And I think what's interesting about it is how diverse and different everyone's projects are. I mean, brothers born, you know, Joel's project. I remember when I found that everyone was like, it's not what you think it's going to be, but it's interesting because right. I can hear a little bit more of Joel's influences on different stuff in kill switch. Oh, yeah. You know, same with Adam with between serpentine dominion and even times of grace. It's like okay, you can kind of hear some of the other elements that that he's bringing now with this. Dominion's fucking awesome, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, that's fucking great. But it's interesting to see how all the pieces of all of you fit now into the band a little bit more, and and you're the last piece of the puzzle, kind of of having your own thing. Granted, you know you had blood has been shed, and right. I know a lot of people obviously know that, but I don't really feel like there was there's not really room with everything that's being done for a blood has been shed type influence kind of to come in. But it's interesting with this like Pika record, there are things where I'm like, Oh, maybe I'm wondering if Justin wrote this guitar part. I'm wondering if, if, you know, Justin maybe helped inspire different parts of different kill switch records. Like I'm wondering now, like, you know, reject yourself is one of my favorite songs. Potentially. Did you write something on drums or maybe have a demo, a rough demo that informed that song to become what it became or some other songs on some of the other records where you're kind of bringing more, like you said in the beginning, more ideas, more rough demos to everybody. And I'm kind of interested, like I said, to, to really dive into this record and, and kind of figure out more of where you fit and what the parts you're bringing to kill switch that maybe I've never noticed. Yeah. It's interesting. I wonder, uh, yeah, let me know what you find. <laughs> I remember, I do remember reject yourself though. was a demo that was unfinished when we started tracking drums and we tracked, um, everything that we had finished and we had an extra time at the end of like the last, it was our last day and we had extra time or whatever. And I really liked, and it was Adam's riff, that first riff of the song. And I loved it. And he had, we had a lot of it worked out, but we just couldn't figure out how to end it. And, um, we, Adam and I took that extra time to sort of figure out how to, how the rest of the song should end. And then, kind of put it together and then did the drums and it worked out great. So in a way, yeah, in a way, yeah, you're right there. That, that ending sort of, um, sort of came from, from, I guess that influence of, um, just having large epic spacey stuff. We don't do a lot of that in kill switch. It's like next, like high energy onto the next part, onto the next part, which is great, which is also super fun to do. Um, but I also love bands like Cult of Luna where they just sit on something forever and it just <clears throat> goes really slowly and builds. And then by the time it gets up there, you're like, oh my God, how did we get here? This is awesome. That's a, and, ooh, even thinking about the way that that song ends. Like I just, it's, it's, it's such a great album closer. It's such a, and it's kind of weird because it almost bookends the album so well with how the album starts with like the like the way that the guitars come into the beginning of the record because you can almost kind of see one fading out back into the like uh, uh back into the beginning 
And it was always one of those. I was like, oh, they must have they must have had these and known that these were going to be the bookends <laughs> to the album and like all this this arrangement. And that's why the track listing works so well. And to, like to now now to now hear that it's just like oh, it's so crazy that like it literally was kind of a we had a day left. <laughs> and to me, like it's I mean, it's nothing against the rest of the record. But like you said, there's just something an unintangible about that song and the way it just is. And like, you know, the, the bridge and the way it kind of floats at the end and the outro to it and all that, it's just, it's so unique unto itself that I've always just, I remember hearing it for the first time and just falling in love with it and just being like, okay, so like, is this where we're going moving <laughs> forward? Like, is this kind of a sign of what's to come? Like, Holy shit, where are we going with this? And Thanks sadly, as of now, it just, it hasn't happened yet, but I, I, uh, I always love to hear stories of like some of the, the weird outliers on records and where they come from. And is it, and is it you, is it somebody else? Like, how do they, how do they happen? Um, the, uh, that, that just reminded me that when we were doing um, the alive or just breathing tours mm-hmm. where we played the whole record and I had nothing to do with that record <laughs> before me. But I remember um, I said to the guys, I was like, Hey guys, did you plan that the first line of the record is, the time approaches and the last line is the time has come. And they're like, we did. <laughs> it is. <laughs> they had no idea. And I was like, well, oh, it works great. Good job guys. <laughs> it's so weird in doing this, like, you know, getting to talk with uh different people of different records. Like we're all noticed weird nerdy shit like that. Like, uh, like Finch on say hello to sunshine. I was like, so you guys use this, like this bridge riff on this one song. And then you made it the main verse riff of ink, like two songs later. And they're like, we did. I was like, yeah. And they're like, oh, didn't notice. And I was like, you, <laughs> how do you not notice that that's the, like, especially as a songwriter in the lyrics, you just got to write the lyrics over that. Like, how did you not realize that the cadence or the, the things were the same? It's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, and then it's, it's so weird to like something that we as fans will sit there and study and listen to for hours and hours and months and years and all that kind of stuff where it just becomes so ingrained in us. It's uh, it's so weird to find that like, these things we've built up in our heads as to how they must have happened are usually nothing more than just, yeah. I don't know, just, I don't know. just wrote I don't it. Know. I just thought of it. Whatever. I mean, it's, like I said, with this record, we'll be like, Oh, did you, are these old demos? Some, some was new. I don't know. Yeah. Some are old, some are new, some were, uh, some happened very quickly. Some happened over a long period of time. It was all the whole spectrum. What uh, kind of last question I have for you so I can let you get back to your day. What um, what are you looking forward to most with this release finally being out? I mean, it's been kind of under wraps, quote unquote, for so long for you. So what does it feel like to finally have this this out coming out soon? Um, it's just I, I just want to I want to I play like I mm-hmm. really have a bug for playing shows. We, we just we want to get out there and play. It's um, and like you said, kind of or like how you're asking about what the the live visual is going to be. I don't know. I want to find it. I want to find, I want to find what that is. And I want to see how that, I want to see how doing, how going out and playing is going to influence what we do going forward. Cause I don't know. Like we have some stuff written that we assume will be on the next record, but who knows? Maybe none of it. will. maybe by the time it's time to record, we'll have a whole bunch of other stuff that we like better or, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. So I'm I'm curious to see how actually getting out there and playing in front of people on a fairly regular basis. I think I don't I don't know if it's um, ever going to be a full time touring thing. 
Yeah, I don't know if you can have two full time during these, but I, like, I have no idea what kind of tours we're Ask Corey gonna get offered. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. He's if, got like three fucking bands. Three full time job. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, what kind of things we'll get offered? If we'll get offered, so just whatever we do playing, I think um, is really the next thing that is going to dictate what the band becomes and where it goes. And I'm just sort of uh, curious to see where that is going to be and i think getting the record out and having something to support um is is uh is kind of the next step in in figuring out what's where it's going to take us it's weird i just was kind of thinking how inspiring it it, it must be and i mean from my perspective it, it feels inspiring to to hear you I don't want to say be reinvigorated about music because I don't. I don't think you've ever fallen out of love with it. I think eventually it just becomes like anything where it's a job and it just is. Yeah. But I think it's you know a lot of people I think would would rest on the fact that it's like I have this and it provides everything I needed to. But the fact that you're, you know, kind of starting over essentially with something new and kind of the excitement and the unfamiliarity with with this thing, I feel like is very exciting and it's very. I guess exciting is the word. I guess it's it's inspirational because I mean I think it kind of gives for some of us who are old older that you know don't be afraid to like go do something new like or to challenge yourself to try new things because you might find new passions and new things that you're excited about. It's uh, my midlife crisis. <laughs> this band is my is my Corvette. Is that <laughs> I'm already I'm already bald. <laughs> it's been bald for a while so this is uh this is what that is it's it's me trying to trying to figure out what to do in my midlife no it's cool it's cool it's it's there's there's a lot of times where i feel i've been reminded of being like a young um kid getting into drumming because mm. um i've never been much of a gearhead with drums other than like when i very first started and was like 15 whatever mid-teens and like finding out like wanting to know what all my favorite drummers played and dreaming about having their kind of drum kit and all that kind of stuff and so now there's <clears throat> now it's sort of like finding like seeing what all these other guys are playing and seeing all their gear and it's the, the last time i kind of had any kind of uh gear uh, envy, I guess, would have been way, way back, back in those days when I first started drumming. So it's an interesting thing to all of a sudden get hit with that again, which is I, which is very unexpected doing this. But that's another fun thing about it. Last thing I'll mention, just because I know it would feel disingenuous to not bring up something Simpsons related. Uh, <laughs> I've been going back through and watching a lot of the newer seasons that I had missed entirely. And there was an episode that I was like, holy shit, this is this is real dark and real weird for a Simpsons episode, but I really loved it. I think it was called The Trouble with Flanders Part 2, uh, where they went back and basically, spoilers, I guess. Uh, Whatever, I'm pr- never going to watch it. <laughs> oh, really? Are you only, like, I'm only watching up to this? Yes. this? Oh, yes. really? Very, oh, okay. very much so. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I, I mean, I... It was one of those I figured so many people are that way where it's like it's only good up to like season 12 or season eight or whatever that there's I'm like someone's still got to be watching it if like they're, you know, 20 seasons yeah. beyond where people are like it never got better than this. 
and there was one i think it was called the trouble with flanders part two and it's it's almost like a coen brothers movie but done in a simpson show and it's like an hour long i swear it like it was not a normal like 25 27 minutes like it, i think it was like 40 some odd minutes or an hour and violence and like all this kind of shit it was very interesting i was like low-key like i know they probably couldn't do this all the time <laughs> but like maybe make it like a treehouse of horror type thing where you do it like once a year just this like really out there episode right and i was like i think a lot of people would really enjoy like kind of these different types of takes on the characters that they know because uh it was it was just a really interesting take on old characters that you haven't seen or like digging further back into ned flanders is like childhood and so forth where it's just like you know, he had to lie to someone. He had sex with someone, <laughs> just shit like that. And you're just like, but he's compromising himself all in the the hope of like doing right in the end. And so it was just really interesting to see this character who has been so like on a line the entirety of the show, and now you have all these new dimensions to him where you're just like, wow, okay, like where else can we take some of these people and these mm-hmm. characters that we've known for three, four decades, whatever at this point? I guess that's what you got to do when you're running episode what. 900 like what are they up to? i don't know Something absurd yeah who knows <laughs> that's interesting though i i kind of had thought you guys or at least you were more of the like oh, i'm just it's kind of comfort uh, food i'll just watch all of it no i've i haven't seen an episode in forever and it's really funny to think about how long it's been on and i probably started tuning out sometime around 14 or 15 i haven't really checked back in and, and i have I've sometimes had people say like, Hey, I know this is a later one. They always qualify it, (laughs) but it's good. You know, you should check it out. And sometimes I'll check it out or, and it might just be a stupid thing where I just don't like the way it looks in HD either. I kind of, Mm. that could be part of it, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I, I really don't know. It's probably just no rationale to it whatsoever. I just can't get myself past, um, the those first 12 to 13 years what is okay i guess i'll throw this then to you what is the like comfort food episode maybe for you like when like whenever it's on you're always gonna watch it like it's instantly quotable from start to finish it's like your favorite go-to episode do you have one just one huh man is that tough i think mine might be from like the the old season might be the uh the grimy episode. <laughs> yeah, speaking of dark, right? <laughs> yeah, that one was. Like, okay, would my face have been red? No, you wouldn't have a face. <laughs> <laughs> that one's great. I always loved. Whatever happened to that guy? <laughs> yeah. Um, it would. It would be maybe. <sighs> Homie the clown might be might be one of them because that one is just so good. I. Feel, <laughs> I feel like I randomly think of things from that episode quite. Is it the one where he becomes one of the crusty? He goes, to, he goes to, cr- to clown college. And, and, and then he um, kills the guy, the hamburglar? And then, and Is then, that that yeah, episode? Yeah, stop. He's already Stop dead. it, mister. He's already dead. Yeah, so we got the, <laughs> the, the bicycle through the loop. And, and he pulls his and pants down. Got yeah. speed holes in your car that make it go faster. <laughs> it's, got, it's just got so much, so much it's crusty betting on the Harlem Globetrotters. Cause he thought they were due just like, <laughs> Oh, that reminds me. I think oh, 
fuck, I don't remember if that's the episode airing tonight. Uh, it, I think it's Netflix has got, they've been doing like a weird sports documentary series. Uh, they, the first one they just put out was with Manti Teo and the girlfriend that didn't exist, which actually was really good. Um, but I think one of them, and I think it's either tonight or it's next week, they're doing the Tim uh, McDonaghy or whatever from the NBA, the referee that got caught betting on his games. Yeah. Like they're doing a whole thing on that. And like my wife's like, Tim, I was like, oh, that will probably be crazy. Like, yeah, what's it called? Uh, I think it's called like Uncut or, or something like that. It's it's on, like I said, it's on Netflix or Untold. It's Untold. Um, the first one, like I said, is uh, Untold, the story of the girlfriend who didn't exist. And it was basically all about how Deadspin had found the the truth about Manti Teo's girlfriend who died not really existing ever. Yeah. And then yeah. there's this whole hoax surrounding it, supposedly. Um, but they talked to the person that was the, the girlfriend and Manti Teo now. And it's weird because when I was watching, I was like, man, what happened? Like, I feel like that dude's career just never took off probably right. because of that. Do they talk about that? Not really. Uh, um, but the whole rest of it's just fucking wild to like the story leading up to everything. Um it's so good. So I imagine like these other ones, like they're only doing four. So it's like, I feel like they pick good stories. They're doing them and making sure that they're worthwhile. I think another one they're doing is the rise and fall of the end one, uh, mixtape, uh, basketball league thing that they did. Yeah. 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 My wife's like, what was that? I was like, Oh, that was huge back in the day. Like the first time amateur athletes were put on a pedestal on the level of like pros, uh, mm-hmm. for basketball. It was crazy, but I know. Check it out. I know a lot of people who who do this. A lot of people are like, oh, I fucking hate sports, and I like music and all that. But that's no, why I, I do too. Who do you got? Uh, who do you got for basketball this year? NBA. Yeah. Um, Unless you're college, I don't. I fuck with college. I'm more college. Know. Yeah, I'm more college than NBA for whatever reason. I went to UConn, so UConn all the way. Ray Allen, right? Yeah, Ray Allen. I went to school with that guy. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> well, he was at UConn when I was at UConn. So ah. in theory, I went to school with that guy. But yeah, he went uh, to school with Jesus Shuttlesworth. That's cool. <laughs> absolutely. And Richard Hamilton. Bunch of, oh, bunch shit. Of Rip. Um, but yeah, so NBA, I'm kind of I'm kind of out of the loop. I very loosely follow. My, my real good friend, our Kill Switch tour manager, is a massive Suns fan. So Sorry. <laughs> I'm hoping, uh, I always hope, I kind of I want him to be happy. <laughs> I really want him to be happy. So he, he was happy ish last year, I'm sure. <laughs> Until happy-ish. he wasn't. <laughs> he's even uh, happy ish. Never, he's never completely happy. <laughs> I mean, are we ever? No. There never. we go. Never. Well, thank you. So, oh, I guess the last question I always ask, even though I'm pretty sure you, you're just going to go to an Instagram page, but uh, where can everyone <laughs> find you or whatever you would like to plug online? Yeah, I will plug all all the good music stuff i mean kill switch stuff you know uh it's super easy to find um look out for that libeka record uh on metal blade september 16th um which is really coming up soon i'm super excited uh libeka band at instagram i think libeka band is at the other socials too you'll find it um yeah, the we just had our fourth video, I guess, which is more like a visualizer than video video just the other day for one of the songs. So about half the record is out there anyway. Um, I mean, you're not putting out a lyric video. 
I kind of wanted to do that. I kind of wanted to put out a lyric video. Dot, dot, dot. Just yeah. like on uh, like karaoke. <laughs> 182 bars. <laughs> and just have like parentheses that says music. <laughs> As the lyrics the whole time. <clears throat> but yeah, nope. um, yeah, check check that stuff out. And hopefully um, we have a few, a few shows in Florida coming up. Um, that would be super exciting. We're stoked that we're on Fest, which is like a huge whole weekend thing in Gainesville. So we're going to play that, which is going to be really fun. Um, and we're playing a show. The Kill Switch has a off show on off date headliner in Albany that Ludwig is going to play, which is going to be super, super fun. Excited so, to pull double duty? Yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Are you... I don't think I asked this when you said you play live shows. Do you have microphones on stage or do you just literally play? No, we do. Just to okay. say hello and goodbye. Okay. And uh, Doug is, <laughs> Doug's the one, Doug's the one uh, doing the hellos and goodbyes. Okay. So far. Uh, we talked about maybe just sort of mixing it up, but so far Doug's, <laughs> Doug's doing a pretty good job. So and, uh, he was also saying that he should have a microphone up front and just every now and then pretend he was going to sing something and then just sort of not sing something. <laughs> Everybody's just waiting. They're probably all looking. Everyone's just staring at him, waiting for him to sing because the microphone's in front of him. I just never gonna happen. I'm excited to to hopefully see you guys play somewhere around here in the Midwest, at least. Um, I would love to. And I'm hoping. I think I saw a vinyl pressing of this record, correct? Right. Yes, there will be vinyl. All right. Is there a test press uh, that'll be up for for grabs at some point? Um, I don't know. I would. I haven't I haven't gotten one yet. Oh, <laughs> so fair enough. hopefully it all came out fine. So we'll see. <laughs> well, hopefully uh we'll see lots of interesting cat merchandise out of the band. Oh yeah. And uh cats everywhere. Everyone loves cats, right? That'll well, be your guest list only on uh when you show up to cities is just famous Instagram yeah. cats. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you're if you are into the band at all and you have a famous Instagram cat, uh <laughs> message us and you free ticket to any show forever anywhere anywhere around the world nathan the beach cat in uh australia you guys want to come to the show go right ahead suki kitten kitten faces (laughs) (laughs) what else can can i plug uh great grams of gary that's another real good one who's the cat on the on the album cover is that your cat no it's one of joey's cats okay i was trying to figure out i figured that had to have been yours no, it was one of Joey's. It's a good picture. It's a you I guess that'll be a fun thing, too, for, for upcoming variants down the road. You can just have different cat variants. Yeah, that's true. We could. Different eyes, different colors. Yeah, I just I really hope you explore the full realm of catness for this band. For everything you do. Our, I wanted vinyl, like cabby vinyl. Oh, okay. Like, like the stripes and everything, but it didn't exist, apparently. I'm sure that that's when you get on the phone and go, hi, do you know who I am? <laughs> Any, <Justin. laughs> anybody out there pressing vinyl that has tabby variant, let us know. We'd love to have Actually, I just read something yesterday because uh, Dan from Zeo was posting about how he wanted someone in Detroit or who was going to Detroit to go pick up the new Dope Smoker record that's coming out, the repress oh, coming out on now? Friday. With the weed. Yep. And obviously it's not shipping because you can't ship it. And <laughs> Uh, a related article I saw to it was someone had just created a plant uh, that was going to help solve the vinyl shortage that's happening or the delays in vinyl because they figured out a new material that they could use 
excuse me, uh, instead of I think PVC or whatever, it's like a some kind of a urethane or something, and it runs forty percent faster to to produce a record um, than how they have to make records currently. And Let's I was go. like, I was like, oh, so now I'm thinking maybe like you could be like, hey guys, can you make a tabby one? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> we'll cut down on that time. It's that's uh, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, I won't say go Yankees. Uh, I, I, <laughs> you just did. No, I said I won't. It was, there. it was there though. You said it. Yeah. You said the words in a row. You said the word go, followed by the word Yankees in a row. Yeah. It. It's funny. When I was in St. Louis, I was looking at shirts and I realized my love and fandom of the Braves goes so deep. I can't even buy any other team shit when yeah. I'm at another stadium. I, I was like, can't do it. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your day and yeah, uh, good I'm sure you. I'll Thank see you around. Yeah. Thanks so much. So that was my conversation with Justin Foley again of Kill Switch Engage and Libica. Uh, that record won't come out for about two weeks as of when I'm dropping this, but I can't wait for everyone else to hear it. It is a very good album, and like I said in the intro and kind of said in the, the actual chat, uh, I think it's showcasing a different side of Justin than we've all seen before. And, you know, I I love seeing that. I, I know it's funny having booked a lot of band, side band things. I know that a lot of fans don't follow the side bands. And it's kind of, I think, a detriment to the fan base as a whole because I think it really does then allow you to see where everyone's influences, where everyone's influences actually come into the band that you love. And I think it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, like, you know, I know I hammered on Reject Yourself. That is hands down one of my favorite Kill Switch Engage songs. And I always, it just, it's, it's such a, an outlier of the band's discography but I think showcases what the band could do to really push their sound in a, in a unique, interesting way. And to hear that it basically just kind of came together because it, it, it hadn't for so long and then finally did uh, is really interesting to me. That it was essentially almost left on the, the cutting room floor. Like, you know, even this, uh, the end of Heartache, I remember on the DVD, the band basically being like, that Adam had that riff. Like, you know, when they were demoing it, they just had that riff over and over and over again. They didn't know where it was going. And to think now, Kill Switch without the end of Heartache as a song, like, you can fathom it. Like, that song is massive. It took that band to a whole nother world. I honestly thought Reject Yourself was going to be that same kind of song for the band, and obviously has not done that for them, but it's interesting to find out how close songs were to not making it on a record or how easily they came to be or, you know, just the background stories of these things. I, I find infinitely fascinating. Um... I am interested to see what happens with this blood has been shed thing. Um, obviously between having Corey Howard, Justin on twice talking about blood has been shed. You know, it's weird. I know that that band in there when they existed and played around was not big. You know, it's, it's very interesting to, to see a band just become larger than life after the fact. And, you know, not many bands have done it, but I think the thing is, is at the time it was just, it, it was a band, you know, everyone knew blood has been shed. They were great. And if you knew they were kind of that band's band, that musician's band, so many of us love that band. And it's funny though, because I feel like with botch actually releasing that new single, uh, this past week, you know, botch was that band for a lot of people too, where it's like when they were around, people loved them. They were a respected band, but I think that their lore grew once the band was gone. Once people found them, once people, you know, saw other bands that, you know, the guys would end up becoming and playing in. Botch had this this legacy that just grew so big that when they finally are, you know, putting some stuff out, they're reissuing stuff. 
I think they're experiencing more success now than they ever did when they were actually around. And I feel like Blood Has Been Shed is in that same kind of category where it's like they were respected when they were around, but then they broke up because obviously the band basically went and you know joined Killswitch basically with Justin and Howard. But it's one of those where I think in light of bands that have come in the, in the scene and the, the style getting heavier and heavier, you can go back and listen to those Blood Has Been Shed records and they still sound as relevant now as they did then. Because actually, I would say more so because there's more bands that sound like them that have success. And so to me, it's one of those where in the day and age where no band is ever officially done, no one, everyone kept saying the botch will never come back together. There's never going to be any new botch material. Don't count your breath. Don't hold your breath. And here we are. We have a new botch song. Granted, apparently it's the only one we're getting, quote unquote. There is no reunion, quote unquote. But I would be willing to bet we're going to get a botch reunion. Maybe not new material, but I bet we're going to get a, a small run of botch shows. No one thought Misfits were ever getting back together. We have Misfits. No one ever thought Refuse were getting back together. We have them. So I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but I would say with Josta teasing it, owning the rights now to Milwaukee Metal Fest, him being tight with Howard, and the rest of the guys probably being a little more open to it with a lot of the fanfare that has been happening. Honestly, I'm going to toot my own horn here because of the show with me getting Corey uh, on and him talking about, you know, the last record that never got finished and, and, you know, where he saw the band and all that kind of stuff. I feel like if there was ever a time for a blood has been shed reunion, the stars are aligning. It should happen in the next year or two. I think something like furnace fest really is resurrecting the want and desire to see a lot of these bands reunite and play. And it's not like, you know, they have to come back and play a fucking, you know, 200 plus dates, you know, playing to 60 people. You know, it's a one-off show. Maybe you do a couple of shows around the area and that's it. That's all that you have to be committed to. And I think that that's a lot easier for everyone to kind of wrap their head around than it is for anything else. And, you know, I hate to say it like this, you know, to make it a monetary thing, but I think enough of these festivals have the money that they can pay these guys enough to make a decent payday for them to do it. And we've seen that again with Refused, again with Misfits, again with, you know, Furnace Fest getting some of these bands to play these, you know, seminal albums. So for me as an old, you know, metal, metal head, hardcore fan, whatever, to be able to see some of these bands that I never got to, that's what that's what all of this is about to me. That's what's so fun about the idea of these festivals coming back that, you know, Furnace Fest and Milwaukee Metal Fest and hell, maybe Hellfest will come back at some point. But to see some of these festivals come back and reunite some of these these classic bands to play these seminal records that we all hold so dearly, that's what has me excited uh, for a lot of, you know, some of these older bands. And I honestly think Blood Has Been Shed can put out that record that they've been sitting on and I think it would still be as much of a mind fuck as it was then. Uh, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to because what does it matter? Uh, Corey did send me a demo of some of the stuff that the, was going to be on the next Blood Has Been Shed record. And it is fucking insane. Like, like take the craziest shit you heard on the other two previous records. Doesn't hold a candle to, <laughs> to the demo I got. And what I got is a demo. <laughs> so no vocals, no nothing, just... Keep that in mind. Like, it is absolutely insane where this, apparently, the next Blood Has Been Shed record was gonna go. Um, 
but I am very optimistic for the future of that band. Uh, I know as a, as a longtime fan, I am very excited uh, to hopefully see them come back. And honestly, like I said, I'm very excited for, for this progression of Justin's musical career with Libica. And I know, and I hope a lot of people actually take the time to listen to it. It's, it's very good music. Uh, I think it's something that I'm excited to take in in a couple of different capacities, as I've talked about, where, you know, you get the experience of driving with it, driving at night, listening to it in, you know, by yourself in headphones, like with other people, like just immersing yourself in the music, because I think that's what it deserves, uh, especially instrumental music, where it can kind of be an accompaniment to so many different parts of your life. So check that record out again, comes out on September 16th. And to start wrapping this episode up, if you would like to follow Libica, you can find them at Libica Band on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Justin, you can find him at underscore dot Justin dot Foley dot underscore. Uh, you just see basically photos of his cats uh, and some musical stuff here and there. If you would like to keep up with the podcast, it's simple. You can find us at Bruce Speak Pod on all of the socials. Uh, if you would like to support us monetarily, you're more than welcome to do that. If you would like, you can head over to patreon.com slash Pod. We have a lot of different content up there. You get access to all the episodes well before anyone gets to hear them on the normal feed. Uh, there's other side podcasts and so forth and uh, some playlist explanations and some other stuff I've been doing over there. Uh, a lot of content over there if you would like to support us that way. If you would like to email me, you can do that at brutallyspeaking at gmail.com. Send me suggestions for guests, uh, some suggestions about the show, whatever. Uh, reach out. Uh, love to hear back from you. And lastly, in wrapping this episode up, if you would like to support our sponsors, that would be greatly appreciated. They support us. They help keep this show running. Thanks to Rockabilia. Go to rockabilia.com. Use our code BRUTALLY at checkout. Take 10% off your total purchase order. The Bean Bastard. Go to thebeanbastard.com. Pick up some delicious coffee. They have handmade soaps. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, please go check out the Brick and Mortar store. They have the same delicious coffee, uh, really great little uh, breakfasty type foods and so forth, and just a, a very cozy coffee shop environment. And last but not least, On Point Palmade. Use our code BSP15 at checkout. Take 15% off your total purchase order. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John, and uh, you know what? I'm not even going to tell you what I have coming up next. I have dropped so many episodes this last couple of days. I'm going to give you some time to uh, get through those, and uh, I'm going to keep making more episodes. So be on the lookout for those. Thank you so much. This has been fun dropping all these episodes so quickly. It's been exhausting, but it seems like all of you are enjoying them, and uh, I'm excited for the next handful of chats that I know I have coming up. And until then, have a great week.